It is so good to be with you today. Take your seats if you would. And um, Seriously, I've been so looking forward to spending some time with you guys. Just come. I just so enjoy. This church is awesome. Amen. It is wonderful to be here, wonderful to worship with you, to sense the presence of the Lord and everything. But I have to say, uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I love church. I love church. And it was so great to just stand and worship the Lord here with you this morning. Do you know that um, Jesus removed the veil? There is no veil between us and the throne of God. And so we, we, when we have church, we can't see the Lord, but he's in our midst, or we're in his midst. There's no veil between us. When we get to heaven, we're going to see, finally. We're going to see, and we're going to say, oh my goodness, I wish I shouted more. Amen? I wish I, I, wish I pressed more. I wish I you know, was really, really into it there. I, I, I love church. I love every church. I love the Baptist church and the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the black churches and white churches and every church. I love church. Amen? And uh, every style. Every style is awesome. You know, but, but the, the most important thing is that um, God shows up. You know, it's so, so cool that we're talking about, uh, you know, extend that, extend that faith to, to Understand, you have authority now. Sickness does not. Poverty does not. You know, all the different things that come to try to torture you, it does not have the authority. You have it in Christ now. Amen? You might not understand everything. This may be your second week or your first week or whatever, but you are in a place of freedom. Amen? And release and growth. And so, anyway... Uh, it, it's so great to be with you. It's so great to be in church. I want to commend Pastor Marco and Lindsay and the leadership team, the folks that are here that are making this happen. You know, I, I, I don't want to tell you how much hard work it is to be the senior pastor because um, it's such an honor and a blessing to be able to pastor the church, but it's not easy. Can I tell you that? Pray for your pastors. Pray for them. Because uh, they're working hard and they're and they're at the tip of the spear and they're they're pressing through, and, you know you're you're with them, but they're pressing through, and I tell you this is not this is nothing less than an amazing work that you've done here in New Bedford and in Fall River. This is an amazing work of God. Can you say Amen? Could we just thank P Pastor Marco and Lindsay for their dedication and their work and their. <clears throat> We so honor you guys. We bless you with strength and, and youth and joy. We bless your children and their strength and their joy. We bless your home. May it be a place of peace and prosperity and happiness and laughter, I pray. Lord, and I pray, God, just an abundance of your spirit on them, Lord. All the days of their lives, O oh God. And every one of their children would be mighty in the Lord for you, O oh God. Every one of their children, O oh God, would be powerful in the things of God. We pray, Lord. We thank you, God. As they have sown in your field, Lord, I pray, God, let them reap. Mighty reward, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless them in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 
and amen. God bless you guys. Yeah, it's, uh, my, Nancy really wanted to be here with us, my wife Nancy. She loves this church. She loves you guys. She's feeling a little bit under the weather, and so, you know, we're supposed to travel this week, and with all that's going on, with all the travel restrictions and everything that's happening, you know, she, she said, you know what, I'll, I'll hang back and pray for you guys, but she loves you. You know, she only has 13 symptoms of the 45 symptoms that you possibly can have, you know. It's funny, you go into a restaurant and they say, do you have any symptoms? And I said, like what? And they said, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what? Well, you know. do you like the smell of bacon? Yes, I do. You're right. That's COVID right there. You know? <laughs> do you have a car? Yes, that's COVID right there. I tell you, it, it, it's like I have every symptom known to man. And I'm, walk, I'm a walking, aching, coughing, scratchy throat. It's all, it's all, it's all, I have that all the time. It doesn't stop you, amen? <laughs> but you can't say that. You have to say, no. And, and i tell you, the other thing, good thing about this pandemic is no one is coughing. You cannot cough. There's no coughing in church. If anyone coughs in church, now everybody just turns and glares at them. Don't cough on an airplane. They will stop that plane mid-flight and throw you out. I kind of like that. I mean, every time my wife and I go on an airplane, you hear people hacking and coughing. You can actually feel it, you know? You're like, oh, my goodness. I turn my thing on and blow it on them, you know? But now no one's coughing on an airplane. It's awesome, you know? No one's coughing anywhere. If you have to cough, you will bust a blood vessel to not cough. <laughs> Isn't that true? So anyway, we'll get through it. We take authority over that pandemic in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for you. May you be blessed. May you be strong. I pray for your parents and your grandparents. May they be blessed and may they be strong and protected in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? We throw down this weird sickness, whatever it is, with all of its 45 symptoms in Jesus' name. When Pastor Marco asked me a couple of a uh, few weeks back about uh, coming and spending some time with you for, to celebrate the seven-year anniversary and, and so forth, which you know you have so many more years, it's awesome. It, 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 it seems like this has really flown by, but God has so much more for you, Amen. But I was thinking about um, talking to you about what what it means to walk a deeper walk because you you start out. Uh, you know, you start out walking, but God wants you to go deeper. He wants to understand the deeper things of the Lord. And so I want to talk to you about that today. You know, especially in the context of where we find ourselves as a society and as a church. You know, I remember back in the uh, 70s when we came out of uh, the Jesus movement, back in the 70s, um, where, where hippies were getting saved and so forth. And it was kind of a wild time in church. Then we got into the 80s, and it, all of a sudden there was all these scandals and all these televangelists, and everybody was falling and uh, moral failures, and it was a real embarrassment of the church. But what it did is it plunged the church deep into telling people or figuring out who we are. This is what we are. We're not that. This is what we are, and this is what we believe. 
And there was almost like this discipleship movement of, of people understanding this is what Scripture says. This is, this, is what we, this is where we walk. This is who we are. And there was this great understanding. A lot of teaching went on at the time. A lot of books were written. And people got deep into the Word of God, and they began to understand these, these things. And then as the 80s passed by, we got into the 90s, there was the power of God's Spirit that hit the church. And I'll tell you, it really rocked the church. It was awesome. The power of God's Spirit hit. And, uh, and as we sort of came out of that and came into the 2000s, we started coming into um, like uh, more of the um, social media part of the church, you know, where, where you had uh, seeker-sensitive. Everybody had to be seeker-sensitive, which wasn't a bad thing. But, but especially on the, on, the, on the cusp of coming out of a really power move of God, now we've got to be seeker-sensitive. And it's almost like we've got to make sure we're completely and totally understandable to the world. Well, guess what? Some deep things of God are just not going to be understandable to everybody, but you'll figure it out. Amen? And so we may have gone overboard with the seeker-sensitive because we, we began to dumb down church to the point where, listen, we just want you to know Jesus. Just Jesus, Jesus. That's all it is, just Jesus, just Jesus. Well, if Jesus was here, he would tell you, no, no, there's more. There's more, amen? And so, but, but I feel like we, we've been in cruise control for the last uh, few years where church has just been good. It's been good. I mean, we had good worship. It was a good word. It was a good church service. It was really good. I mean, the, the, the folks, were, we had a good crowd. It was a good crowd. We had good worship. It was, a good, it was a good church service. We had a good week. It was a good, and church was just good, which is fine, too. But I, I really feel like we're going to come into some tumultuous times right now. We've got to have some depth in our Christianity. We're not going to be able to just skate by. We're going to need to know the Word of God, and we're going to need to know the principles that we believe and walk in. You know, Jesus tells us in the Word, it's not enough to just hear my words only. You know, he talks about the, uh, the house that was built on the sand. It is the person that hears the words but does not put them into practice. He's unstable. And so I want to talk to you about taking this thing deeper. It's, 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 it's not enough that we have a solid pastor. We need a solid church. Amen? We need key people in the church. And, and I want you to know that no matter how much this pandemic has tried to sideline the church, the church is in the center of everything that's going to be going on in these next few years. Until the Lord comes back, the church will be in the center. We'll be in the center of everything. It's the center of power. Everything that would try to um, come against society first tries to come against the church. we got to knock the church down. If we're going to knock the family down, we've got to knock the church down. If we're going to knock marriage down, we've got to knock the church down. If we've got to knock honor down, we've got to knock the church down. And so the church is standing strong for all of society to say, no, there is a right way, there is a good way, there is a blessed way. Amen. So the church is not going to be sidelined. You're not going to get away with just kind of scooting in and scooting out. You're going to be front and center. These are tumultuous times that you're going to stand strong, and I believe that God has a miracle church for a desperate world. Can you say amen? So no scaredy-cat Christians here. No noodles. No waffles with syrup on top. 
you know, no shells of a Christian. No, it's got to be the real deal. And so even if you've been saved a long time, it's not enough to just walk with the Lord a long time. You have to walk deep with God. You've got to know the things of God. Amen? We have to have a knowledge of the deep things of God. And so it's not just that the pastor knows the word. The church has to know the word. Amen? You know, I, I, I say, look, it's not enough to just show up. We got to grow up. We got to grow up. You know, when you first come to the Lord, it's a lot like when you're first uh, born as a, as a natural baby. When you first come to the Lord, you're, you're an infant, and God just coddles you, and he holds you, and he, he coos you and woos you, and he's nice, and he, he's right there. And you, feel so, so, you just feel so great in God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And you, but you're, you're like an infant. But guess what? You grow up a little bit. You know, this, this takes a period of time, maybe six months or a year or whatever. But God puts you down, and he says, okay, now I want you to walk. you got to walk by faith. And sometimes we're like, where are you, God? Where you used to be so close, where are you? But God is saying, walk, walk. Use the things I've, I'm teaching you, and I want you to start to step out in faith and start to walk. And so as toddlers, we begin to walk in the things of faith. We're a little bit tipsy. We're a little bit, you know, whatever. And, and, and we, we don't feel like God all over us the way we did, but God's saying, this is, this is a time where you're going to understand things by faith and not just by being coddled all the time. So sometimes what happens with us is we sit down and we just whine. I'm not going to go. I don't know. I just, I want the others. I want my mommy. And, and, and the Lord's saying, no, no, you got to grow up. you got to grow up. It's not good if you're a teenager with poopy diapers. I mean, I can tolerate it when you're eight months old. But when you're a teenager and you have poopy diapers, we have major problems. Isn't that true? And it's the same in your walk with the Lord. So you're not a toddler anymore. You know, I, I, let me just say this too. You don't have to be 10 years in the Lord to grow up. God can start this process real quick in your life. Isn't that true? Come on, it doesn't take forever for you to start to understand these are the deeper things of God. So I want to turn uh, to the book of Hebrews here. In the fifth chapter Paul, I believe, is the writer of Hebrews, is talking to the Jewish Christians of the early church, and he's telling them it's time now for you to grow up. And scholars tell us that this church was about five years old when Paul was writing to them, and the verses just before this, he says, by now you should be teachers, not having to learn all over again these basic things. So in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, I want to read this with you. It's anyone who lives on milk... Being still an infant is not acquainted, is not trained, it's not, it's not equipped, he's not, he's not deeply understanding with the teaching about righteousness. There's a, there's a teaching about righteousness. We, we have to understand that as a church, something deeper than just the milk. But solid food, in the King James says, strong meat. I like that interpretation. But strong meat is for the mature, who by constant use have trained their senses and, and, and this is the uh, King James, their senses, but it really is a good interpretation of this word themselves because it does mean your five senses. You've trained your hearing and your seeing and, 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 and so forth. Like, you, you know, like, I know when God is saying not that way. My senses are trained. I know when God is saying don't, don't go there. 
that, that's not for you. I remember one time uh, uh, there was this book that was written about the gifts of the Spirit, and it was written by somebody who really doesn't agree and doesn't like it, doesn't, you know, and it had all these different verses that they twisted out of order and, and everything. But people were telling me, did you read that book? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I read that book, and I don't know. I, I just don't know now. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to think. I don't, I, 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 I just don't. Did you read that book? And I said, you know, I haven't read it, but I, I am going to read it. I know it's a popular book. I'm going to read it. And so I had it on my nightstand. And I was trying to get to it, trying to get to it. About three weeks, it was on my nightstand. One morning, I, w- I opened my eyes. First thing in the morning, I opened my eyes. I'm looking at the book, and I hear the Lord say, there's a spirit of confusion on that book. And you know something? I, I said, that's exactly what's on those people that, that have read this book. They're all confused now. So I never even opened the book. But can I tell you something? Your senses need to be exercised. Do you even hear God when he speaks to you? Or do you even pay attention? There's a spirit of confusion. Like what? Like, let me look. Let me see. Like what? No, no, you, you have to have your senses exercised. And, and, and I tell you, by, by, by constant use, by constant use, oh, go back. Go back. There you go. By constant use. In other words, what God, how God teaches us is he teaches us about forgiveness, but then he teaches us about forgiveness again on a deeper level. Then he teaches us about forgiveness again on a deeper level. Then he teaches you again on a deeper level. Can you say amen? How many that are married can say amen? You don't really learn about forgiveness until you get married. (laughs) I tell the young people that. Yo, you think you know about forgiveness. Wait till you get married. Then you're really going to know about forgiveness. And all the the married ladies said amen. But by constant use, because, because you're, 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 you're not, this is not foreign to you. You know God's teaching you. You know God is cycling you deeper and deeper in, 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 in repentance, deeper and deeper in the walk with the Lord, deeper and deeper in faith. I used my faith, but now I have to use more faith. Now my faith even gets stretched more. And, and you see that by constant use, we've trained ourselves to be accustomed to these things of God, distinguish and to discern good from evil. And then he goes on in chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings. He's saying, let us leave the milk and move on to strong meat. Let us leave the infantile things, the elementary things about Christ, and go on to maturity. I, I want you to go on and go deeper. Church, we, we, can't, just, we can't just show up. we got to grow up. we got to grow up. The pastor's not going to be there day in and day out for you to say, no, 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 no. You have to know the word. Amen? Go on to maturity, laying again the foundation. And, 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 and the, the elementary things is the foundation. This is the foundation. And there are six truths here that Paul just lays out to say, look, it, we've got to move on. I mean, these things are elementary truths. We need to know them, but then we have to be able to move on. Can I tell you something, church? We hardly know the elementary things. We hardly know them. Not many amens there, but that's all right. I'm up here on my own now, I guess. <laughs> Never mind the deeper principles that God wants us to understand about the kingdom of God and how we can hear God and know God and obey the word of God. Know that this is how he's leading us, amen, by the principles. Now, I want to talk about some deeper principles, but, but there's too many of them to talk about all of them, but you have to know, you have to understand, this, this word is true. 
We can't just hear it and then neglect it. Amen? So we talk about things, we, we understand some things, or we receive some things, but then we move on and we don't go by them, and then we wonder why we're yo-yos in our faith. We wonder why we're up one day and down the next. We wonder why we're not that strong. We're not that, we don't have that much fruit in our lives. We don't know why, but we're just not that solid. But it's because there are things that God is saying, I'm talking to you about these things, you need to listen. Amen? You need to obey. Laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. You know, the, the, the foundational truth of repentance. You know, sometimes we talk about repentance, but do we even really understand it? I, I, I talk about the fact that uh, repentance requires us to be able to recognize our sin. You know, the Bible talks about looking into the mirror and then going away, forgetting what you actually just saw. You have to recognize this is sin in my life. And then you have to confess it. The Bible says confess your sins one to another, but you have to confess it to the Lord. God, this is an area in my life. I want to ask you, God, to forgive me. You have to ask for forgiveness. And the Bible says you have to have godly sorrow. A lot of times we want to have repentance without any godly sorrow. Look, it happened again, God. I'm sorry. All right, what can I do? That's me. I'm, <laughs> all right, you know me. No, no. Where's the godly sorrow that leads to repentance, the Bible says? So th- th- then, there's, then there's the actual act of repentance. Meta- metanoia is the word. It means to change your mind. Change the way you think. Lord, I need to turn from this thing. I need to, I need to, I need to change the way I think about this thing. It, it's not allowable. It's not tolerable. It's not okay. God, help me. Amen? Turn from it and then bring restitution. You know, if you stole the farmer's rope, return it. Amen? There's a lot to repentance. A lot of times we, we brush over this thing. Do we even really realize what what I need to do here? If I'm going to get set free from areas of my life that are so tripping me up, easily entangling me, I need to genuinely work on repentance about this thing here and ask God to set me free from it because you are not supposed to be, you're you're not supposed to be entangled. You're supposed to be free. Can you say amen? Not laying again that foundation. And of faith in God. We talked all about faith yesterday. It was awesome. Instruction about baptisms. These are the milk, these are the elementary truths that we're supposed to have down. Elementary. Instruction about baptism. Some people have been saved for 20 years. They're still not baptized in the Holy Spirit. They they don't understand. Listen, it's throughout Scripture. The Bible teaches us in Acts the very first thing that on day one the church did was get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Wait here until you're filled with the power from on high. In other words, don't start church day one without being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These are the instructions about baptism. Some people have been saved for 20 years and they're still trying to say, I don't know. Speaking in tongues, some people do, some people don't. I I don't know much about it. I hear about it, but I haven't looked into it. I'm just still having milk. Been saved 20 years, but I'm still drinking milk when it comes to baptism. Come on, I'm aiming for you. I'm aiming for you. Am I getting you? All right, everybody get nervous right now. <clears throat> um, the laying on of hands. Simple truth, but I have it in yellow. Must mean something. I'll tell you, the laying on of hands, a lot of times, people don't even understand. Laying on of hands is throughout the Bible. It's throughout the New Testament. It's throughout the Old Testament. 
When, when, when Paul is talking to the Jewish church here, they knew about the laying on of hands. They knew it was an elementary truth. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that you have in you through the laying on of my hands. You know, when we sent Pastor Marco and Lindsay out, we laid hands on them. He's right. We are part of what's happening here because we laid hands on them. You know how many people just go, oh, they don't care if they even have a covering. They don't care if anybody laid hands on it. It's me and Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus said, have the laying on of hands. (laughs) You need a covering. You need a covering. Some people don't care about authority. They don't care about the laying on of hands. They don't care about whether or not they have an authority over their life, a covering over their life. But they knew about it in the Old Testament. You know, so... Abraham laid hands on his son. Isaac laid hands on his son. Jacob, his name is Israel. He called his son Joseph. He said, I'm about to die. Bring your two sons to me. I want to lay hands on them. And so Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim to to Jacob. And he puts Manasseh on Jacob's right hand and he put Ephraim on his left. And Jacob crosses his hands and he puts his right hand on Ephraim. And Joseph says, no, my father. Manasseh is the oldest. He knew I got to put him on this side to my father's right hand because he's the oldest. Let the blessing, the premier blessing, rest on the older, the elder's head. Jacob crosses his hands because he understands about the laying on of hands too. Here it is. Do you know about the instruction of the laying on of hands? Jacob did. He crossed his hands and he says, I know my son, but the older will serve the younger. I'm feeling the anointing of God on this right now. And he blessed these grandchildren. I tell you, fathers, grandfathers, be a man of integrity that can lay hands on your grandchildren and pronounce a blessing over them because the laying on of hands is not nothing. It's powerful. It's a covering. It's authority. We've lost it in the church. People, the church is filled with Christian tourists. I show up for a little while, I enjoy it, and then I move on. Well, you have no authority over your life. You have no covering. You have no laying on of hands. You have no protection. You have no blessing. Come on. Listen to me. I'm I'm talking to you from 40-something years of seeing people be blessed or not blessed. Because they say, you know what? I know I'm here for a little bit. I kind of sample a little bit here and there. You're a tumbleweed. You have no roots. You have no covering. I pray you guys have a pastor. I pray he has authority over you. And guess what happens? When the devil comes looking for you, he's got to come through us first. Amen? There isn't a covering over this church. There isn't authority over this church. We're laying hands and praying for you guys and saying, if the devil's going to tr- try to come after you, he's got to come through us first. Amen? The laying on of hands, a resurrection of the dead. The, the, the end of all things is going to be the resurrection of the dead. And then it says an eternal judgment. Do you know that every single revival throughout all of history was marked by the preaching of eternal judgment? You hardly hear about, we don't even know, hardly know what it is that anybody would ever talk about there's such a thing as eternal judgment. Jonathan Edwards talked about it and, 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 and stirred a, a giant revival throughout the entire nation. But every single revival was marked by this, this great truth, eternal judgment. And so this we will do. We'll go on to maturity if the Lord will allow us. Because guess what? God doesn't want you to be weak. He doesn't want you to just show up. 
He wants you to be strong. He wants you to be powerful. Can you say amen? amen? I'll tell you, an unstoppable church is filled with unstoppable people. It's not just the pastor and a few leaders that are unstoppable. It's in the people. The people are unstoppable. They know they got the truth of God in them, and it's working in them. Amen? amen. Come on, this is a message of faith. I'm, I'm building you up right now. I'm calling those things that we are pressing toward. We can have them, but we got to press. We can't just have a, a, a good church with good people. They're generous. They're so kind. They're so generous. Yeah, but they're strong in the things of God. They're, they have conviction. They know the word of God. They know when they hear the Holy Spirit. When he tugs at them a little bit, when you've had that weird phone call and gossiped a little bit, the Holy Spirit says, not good. And you say, you know, I'm going to call that person back and straighten this thing out because there's something that I want in my life. There's a blessing I want in my life. I don't want this... The, Bible says that gossip is like a, a sweet morsel that goes into your soul but creates bitterness. I don't want this bitterness inside me. Amen? I'll tell you, a powerful church comes from powerful people. I believe in miracles, but it's going to be in the people, not just in the priest, not just in the person up at the front. It's going to be in the people of God. Amen? And then every circumstance that comes to you in your life is for God to teach you a deeper thing about him and how he'll work with you. Every single circumstance that you find yourself in, in life, is an opportunity for God to get that word to be uh, dug another, another little bit deeper in your life. So the things you're going through at work or the things you're going through in your, your home life or your circumstances or your, your finances or whatever it is, is God's opportunity to say, let me take you deep on this. Let me show you the principle. Let me show you the principle. I remember um, years ago, Nancy and I, we were in a terrible financial place. We were tithing. We were giving and all that stuff. But we were in a terrible financial place. And I, I remember praying. And I was on my knees. And I was praying out to the Lord, God, this is years. We, we can't rub two pennies together. This is years. We're supposed to be your children. We're supposed to be blessed, God. What's going on? And all of a sudden, and, and I, want, I want you to know, I was really crying out to the Lord. Really crying out. All of a sudden, I felt God say to me, there's a spirit of poverty that's attached itself because I brought you through a trial with your finances. You came through the trial, but you, you um, received, you know, a few weird things about, about finances that allowed this spirit of poverty to jump on you. I don't want to get too far off, but, if, you know, if you, if you look at the Bible, there are how powerful Elijah was. He stood up to the prophets of Baal, and he did all that stuff, but Jezebel said... You know, I'm going to take your life. I'm going to take your life. So he runs away from Jezebel. The next thing he's telling the Lord is, Lord, take my life. As powerful a man he was, he, he let that seed of that weird word that Jezebel say get into his heart. He starts saying it. You can go through a test of finances and end up saying the wrong things, and the devil takes advantage of that. I learned more about how to keep the atmosphere clear over your house in that one instance where I'm saying, God, all this time I've been struggling with my finances. It was a spirit of poverty. Why didn't you tell me that? God says, because you need to learn a lesson because you weren't even asking. You, you were not, you're not even pressing, pressing the throne room of God. But since you are right now, and he showed me a dark cloud, I stood up and I began to rebuke this thing in the name of Jesus. And I can tell you, not that we have any more money, but we've never struggled with poverty ever since. Amen? It's off. It's gone. 
Don't, I'm getting off the track here, but this will be good for you. Don't call these things down on yourself. Like when your kid says, can I have a superhero such and such, you know, at the, at the checkout line. Don't turn around and say, no, we can't afford that. Don't say you can't afford it. Mommy, can I have it? No, we can't afford that. Don't say that because you call, you open the door for that little can't afford thing to come over you. You can't afford it. You just don't want to buy it. You got to tell your kids that. <laughs> I can afford everything. Anything and everything. I just, I'm telling you, no. It's funny. I, I tell my grandkids. We were walking in the woods, and, and I'm taking them through. I have some trails behind my house. I'm in the trail. And I could tell we lost sight of the house, and they're kind of getting a little bit afraid. And, and Papa, should we go home? Should we go home? I said, I just want you to know something. Papa is not afraid of anything. And they both look at me. I said, Papa can beat up a dinosaur. I am not afraid of anything. My, my grand says, you can beat up a dinosaur? I said, yes. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you can afford anything. You just choose to say, this is where I'm going to put my finances right now. Can you say amen? Don't let these words come over you. This is what I mean about exercising these, discern these discerning things that God shows us. Keys of faith. God wants to make you stronger and stronger in your walk. Not, not just get through this stuff. You know, in the New Testament, we're warned repeatedly over and over again about what they did in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we can see how they got off the principle, they got off the, the truth, and they ended up suffering because of it. And so we see throughout the Old Testament these circumstances that take place. And yet, in the New Testament, Jesus and Paul and all the writers of the New Testament are warning us, do not be weak in your understanding of God's Word. In Matthew, the 13th chapter... You know, I could bring you into a lot of different uh, verses, but I'll bring you to this one here. Uh, Jesus is talking about the, the example of sowing seed and all these different seeds that, that went out. But he said, the one that received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word. And I'm telling you, it's not that you don't hear it. It's not that you don't know it. It's you hear the word, but it, once you receive it with joy, but since it has no root, it has not been dug down. It has not been utilized. It has not been exercised. It has not been ensconced into your, into your spirit where you're, you're steadfast in that truth. You know, it's like tithing. People struggle about tithing. Look, I look at that thing. It's, it's a basic piece of paper I need to jump over when I first get saved. And then I never have to worry about that thing again. I got it. I got it. Amen? And I'm going to move on from that now. I understand about tithing. It's a basic principle of, of, of trust. But now uh, I want to move into generosity. I want to move into sowing. I want to move into abundance. I want to move into other things. I don't want to get stuck back here. You know, and then I can tithe, and now I can't tithe, and then I can tithe, and then I shouldn't tithe, and I really can't tithe. Again, I'm way off the track here. Let me just go with this. I, I remember one time we had one of the leaders in our church telling everybody, listen, if you can afford to tithe, you need to. And I thought, where's that in the Bible? Nobody can afford to tithe. <laughs> you step out and say, God, I'm trusting you with my eternal life. I certainly can trust you with 10 bucks. Amen? But since it has no root, 
when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. In other words, this word here, it, we, we get the word scandal from it. You're, you're quickly tripped up. You're quickly offended. Something happens. It quickly knocks you off track because you, you hear the word. You know what the truth is, but, but you kind of don't do it. I, I know I shouldn't be gossiping. I couldn't help it. You should have heard what happened to Sally, you know. And the next thing you know, we're swallowing down things that we know we should, not, we should avoid. Amen? I, I, I'm kind of being silly with the, the examples, but can I tell you something? There's something very serious about gossip to the Lord. He says, I want you to use your mouth to speak inconceivable things over people's lives. Miraculous things. Healing and power. But how can your mouth spew forth good water and bitter out of the same mouth? How can you have words of power and words of gossip out of the same mouth? See, it's a truth. It's a truth. Do we know it? Amen? Our journey with the Lord is not supposed to be one of weakness and defeat. It's supposed to be one of strength and growth and growing and growing and more and more joy. People wonder why they don't have joy in the Lord, but it's because I think that there are things that, that we've, we, we have no root. We've been scandalized a little bit on it. We, we, we've been offended and tripped up, and the next thing you know, it's, you know, it's just not that important, so we move on. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says prior to this, he says, look, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech and all these fine-sounding arguments. I came to demonstrate the power of the Spirit. We do, however, do have a message to the mature. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom to the mature. The people that have moved on from the elementary truths, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's more. People that have, that have stopped just laying the foundation. But it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. It's not about the world's wisdom. And can I tell you something? Most Christians operate in the world's way of thinking in the church. We, we operate the way the world attaches things. You know, um, <clears throat> the Bible says, bless your enemies. The world says, you need to get back at that guy. We bring the, the revenge mentality into the kingdom of God, and it doesn't work. We, we, we can't figure it out. You know, the Bible says forgive seven times 70. We, we, we say, look, I, I keep forgiving the person. I'm not doing it anymore. That's the world's way. Paul says we do speak a wisdom among the mature. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden, that God uh, destined for our glory before time began. Paul calls it a secret wisdom or a hidden wisdom. You know why? Because you have to dig it out. It's here. It's in the pages of the book. It's when, it's when God begins to speak to you about who, you, who it is you are and what's going on in your life that you dig this thing out. All of a sudden, I tell you, isn't it true? You open the Bible and God starts to speak to you. Isn't that true? You open the Bible and the next thing you know, you're like, oh boy, that's, that, that's, that's, you know. Don't underline too many of those verses. People will read your Bible and know what God's talking to you about. And then they'll amen it. My wife writes in my Bible, amen. You better believe it, buddy. The Bible says rejoice in trials. It's opposite. The world's wisdom is opposite to what we're going to operate in. We almost have to leave the foreign world behind and step into the world that God is trying to get us accustomed to. 
Instead, the kingdom of God is foreign to us. It's foreign. I don't know about shouting. I don't know about dancing. I don't know about clapping. I don't know about singing. I don't know about blessing my enemies. I don't know. It's foreign to me. I'm still stuck over here in this other way. I have not really dug into the hidden wisdom of the Lord. But God has it for us. So as Christians, we can fumble along. What are the deeper truths about honor? Loyalty. Faith. Unity. Prayer. Prophecy. What are the deeper truths about prophecy? Can you prophesy over your own life? What, what it is that God wants you to use your words for in your own life and in your children's lives and in the life of the church and so forth? What does God want you to understand about sowing and reaping that are so true? People don't think these, these Bible truths are real. So we receive it with joy, but then we go on and we forget. This, this is about sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. If you sow division, you're going to reap division. If you sow criticalness, you're going to reap judgment. Criticalness brings judgment. It doesn't bring grace. If you sow grace, you reap grace. Isn't that true? It's so funny that... It's so funny that God will put the... I don't want to say weird because sometimes they're aggravating people in your life. God will put the most aggravating people in your life because he wants you to, he wants you to extend grace to people it's hard to extend grace for. Isn't that true? It's, it's that constant use. He's digging you deeper. Yeah, I can extend grace for this person and that person and even that person, even, even my brother-in-law, but this guy. And God is saying, no, no, this is the hidden wisdom I want you to understand. I want you to extend grace. I want you to extend grace. I remember being around with a bunch of the guys that hated my boss. I hated him too. Not really. Trying not to anyway. And they would talk bad about this guy. And I would hear the Lord say, don't agree. If I don't agree, when they're all talking bad about this guy, it's going to seem like I'm trying to be the boss's pet. And the Lord says, look, that's how the world thinks. I'm telling you to think the way I think. I don't want you to agree. And so I began to not agree. And do you know something? You know, we talked about this yesterday. Lead from the middle. If you stop agreeing with everybody that's against the authority. See, the devil is always against the authority. Your foreman, your boss, anybody that's over you in management, you're always against them because it really comes from the devil. He's against everybody that's over. And so, and so as you agree with that, you call down a curse on yourself instead of calling down a blessing on yourself. And calling it down a blessing on others. I tell you, and then God will speak to you and show you. God, God told me one time, it's not easy to manage people, you know. It broke my heart because I, I, I was looking at my boss and he was saying all kinds of crazy things to me. And I'm thinking, man, you're off your rocker on that. You think I'm late all the time? You, you think I go for coffee breaks all the time? Ask anybody. No, seriously. I'm not late. Maybe four or five times a week, but. <clears throat> but the Lord said, you know, it's not easy to manage people, especially you, you knucklehead. My heart broke for my boss. I went and repented to him. I said, I'm sorry. I want you to know I have been late all the time. I'm going to change that thing. My boss was like, oh, whatever. 
I don't know where you're coming up with that. <laughs> no, I can tell. We're awkward. Every time I come in late, you don't know how to, you don't know how to tell me I don't like that. It, it's so funny because I had a boss that was a mean guy, really mean guy. And he was very disrespectful to me. And I remember for the longest time, I did not like the guy, would not say a good thing about him. Years later, after I was saved, the Lord reminded me about him and said, repent for the disrespect that you had for the authority, the old dog in your life. You know, my father, <clears throat> he, uh, he had a tough upbringing. My, my grandfather, I never met him, he died the year I was born, but he was a, a fallen down drunk alcoholic, would come home. He was a violent alcoholic and would beat my father. My father had a really tough life. No money. They, they were hillbillies up in the hills of uh, uh, West Virginia. So my father came up north, went to Bible school, met my mother. They got married, had kids and so forth. And my father was not an easy guy to get along with. And so we uh, knocked heads, sometimes literally, <laughs> And years later, after I got saved, uh, I, I repented to my father, and I said, I'm sorry, Dad, for all the heartache that I caused you and all the everything and so forth and so on, but believe me, it was half his fault, you know, just being honest. That, that's not what God wanted me to do. He didn't want me to talk about whose fault it was. He said, go, go repent. So anyway... I mean, that's, that's basic, isn't it? That's basic. Your parents are not perfect. But the Bible says, honor your father and mother. Honor them. Honor them. You, 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 can, you can be mad at my father all you want, unless you grew up in his house where a drunk came home every afternoon and beat you. Then maybe you can... But even still, I'm not trying to justify how people get however they get. But what's interesting... He, he passed away in April, 92 years old, and I, I was down there in Florida with him for a while, <clears throat> and we had to come up here, and you couldn't see him anyway because of the COVID thing. He passed away. About six weeks after that, the Lord gave me a dream, and I, I thank God for dreams. Don't you guys thank God, thank the Lord for dreams? And it's like he's not against dreams. He'll give you a dream. You just have to ask him. But he gave me a dream, and in this dream, I was with my father, and we had just got done doing something. I think it was a wedding or something. Maybe I did the wedding. I forget, but it was a post-event, and we were in the back, kind of in the area where they had hors d'oeuvres and stuff, and I had on a black suit with a white shirt. He had on a black suit with a white shirt, and he was, he was young. He was like 35 years old, but the most amazing thing about him, he was so chill. He had no inhibitions. He had no weirdness. He had no agenda. He had, he just totally was completely clean. We had our arms around each other. And we just were talking and enjoying one another. And when I woke up from that, I felt like the Lord say, that's how I saw your dad. How you see your parents may be from a, a filtered view of however it is whatever it is you've gone through. But you know what the Bible says? Honor, honor your father and mother. 
And in that, you're blessed. I don't have to know everything. I just got to do the word. I just got to know that God knows these are hidden truths. These are secret wisdoms that I need to live by. Honor your father and mother. Shut your mouth when it comes to dishonor. Can you say amen? Thank you, Pastor Steve. The reason I'm telling you this is because I think we are compromised in our walk with the Lord because of things that we've disregarded. So what about this? So what about that? So what about gospel? So what about tithing? So what about honor? So what about covering? So what about laying on a hand? So what about... And, and, and we've taken it all and said, so what about it? Not realizing that God said, no, no, that's my word. That's where the anointing is. That's where, the, that's where I stand. That's where the plumb line is. That's where I want you. It's not that you don't know, and it's not that you, don't, you have not heard. You have heard. You've got to choose now. Do I walk in the ways of God, or do I just do my own thing? But if you do do your own thing, don't be surprised if you're not weak, depressed, sad, up one day, down another day, can't pull ends together, can't hear God, have no anointing. I'm being serious. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, I told you there's... Hundreds of stories in there. Michael, Saul's daughter, he's the people's king. The people's king's daughter was looking out the window at her husband David, King David, dancing before the ark. She looked out her window and she mocked him. Look at him, undignified, dancing like a regular dude. He's the king. And all the girls are fawning over the king because he. He doesn't care who's, you know, he's dancing like nobody's watching. And the Bible says, from that time on, David did not go into her. She was a wife that was barren and without fruit for the rest of her life. It's a principle that that you cannot mock the things of God and think that it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. I mean, you look at these stories. There's another story in the Bible where uh, the Bible says Noah planted a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, was in his tent uh, with no clothes on, drunk. And it says in the morning, his son Ham went in and saw his father in the tent naked. And he went out, left the tent, went and told his two brothers, uh, Shem and Japheth. And he says, Dad, there were no clothes on. I think he's drunk. The two brothers took a blanket, they put it over their shoulders, and they walked backwards into the tent, not looking at their father, and they laid the blanket over their father and covered his nakedness. They covered the father's nakedness, and then they walked out. The Bible says when Noah got up, he said to Shem and Japheth, you'll be blessed the rest of your lives. But Ham, he says, you will serve your brothers. And you know that Ham is the father of Canaan, which is the Canaanites. We get the Hivites and Perizzites and Jebusites and Termites and all those. For the rest of his life. I, I, I tell you, I think that there are these things about, about our lives and our, 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 our walk, deep principles that we need to know and understand. They're in the Bible for our blessing and our benefit. We cannot be a church that just shows up. We got to grow up. 
we got to grow up. we got to understand what are the principles that God wants us to know and understand, and I'm going to walk in them. This is not about legalism. This is not about legalism. This is about walking with God and saying, God, this is your word. I hear it. I understand it. One more verse, and then I'm going to close. It's uh, 2 Peter. It says this. Peter's the apostle, awesome guy, says, for this very reason, make every effort. And that's what I'm challenging you with this morning. To add to your faith goodness. Add to your goodness knowledge. Add to the knowledge self-control. Add to self-control perseverance. Add to perseverance godliness. And to godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness add love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if you possess these qualities through constant use, if you grow, add to these, make every effort to add to these things in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This church will be a miracle-working church if it has miracle-working people. This church will be an unstoppable church because it has unstoppable people in it. It'll be a powerful church, a church of depth and wisdom and understanding because the people are a people that are deep with wisdom and understanding. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you, God. You're so gentle with us, Lord, but you're so... Stern at the same time, God. You, you give us your word, Lord, and you cause it to grow deep into our lives. You sow it into us over and over and over again. Lord, I pray, God, that we don't take it lightly. I pray, God, we're just not a church that shows up. Seven years here in this city, Lord, I pray, God, this city gets shook by the power of God through a people that have fanned out into this region, oh God, with the word on their lips that God is a mighty God and he's doing mighty things. Lord, we're not paper thin. We're not just good. We're not choreographed. Lord, we're not Hollywood. We're the children of God, men and women, deacons and elders and teachers, people that know how to pray for the sick and baptize, people that know how to care for the elderly and teach the children. Lord, I pray, God, make our hands strong. Make our feet strong, O God. Lord, I pray, God, for the men that are here, God, fathers, husbands, grandfathers, O God, strong in the things of God. May they have a heritage that is strong. I pray for the women that are here, God, mothers in Israel, O God, intercessors, people that know how to touch God and touch people. Lord, I pray, God, bless us, Lord, Make us strong, I pray, God. Deepen the things of God. Lord, growing, not shallow, but mighty. In Jesus' name, come on, church. Everyone said amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.